Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And guys and gals, seriously, listen to this episode. It is, we haven't done anything like this before. I found this guy on Instagram. He's a really cool guy. I, I was just following him because he's a cool guy. He does spiritual retreats and stuff. But then I found out he was the star of a Netflix documentary about hookup culture in Florida. And I was really reluctant. I, I heard about this months ago. But for some reason, I was very reluctant to check it out because it looked a little bit like it was glorifying the hookup culture. But later I did some investigation. And in fact, it was a cautionary tale. Not only that, but they made an entirely second documentary about him and what happened to him and his evolution since going to spring break and being a part of hookup culture. Now, I want to warn you, the documentary is on Netflix and you can watch it, but it's pretty graphic. It was created by a faith-based organization, so it's not full on, you know, it doesn't show all the stuff, but it's pretty intense. You can even watch the trailer. We'll have a link in the description below for that, but it's there on Netflix. But they're making a second one, which is, it's it's already been made. It's gonna be released soon. It says it's slated for 2022, and it's a lot more emotional and about what happens on the other side of hookup culture. Now this guy's name is Shay Douglas. He's super Super cool. If you see any pictures of him, he looks like a cooler version of me, basically. And he and I had this great conversation. I was really inspired. And he's such an amazing guy, very thoughtful, very smart. But, you know, there are parts that were a little bit graphic and not so comfortable. And so if you're not in the mood for something deep, then go listen to a different episode, which is more light. But this one, we get into the weeds about what is, what is the, where does this hookup culture start and where does it end? Where does it go? Where is it leading us? And what's some of the nitty gritties about how somebody who's steeped in it can evolve and move past that. I would really recommend that if you are able to take this, listen to it and listen to it well, because it's a very important conversation that I have with Shay, my friend, my new best friend and I really enjoyed it a lot. He has a lot of nuggets up until the very end actually. He had me mesmerized at about you know three quarters of the way in. He went on this monologue and I just like shut up and was mesmerized because it was really beautiful what he was saying. So without further ado, please check out Shay Douglas. Let's go. Just this preamble, I just kind of getting to know you. I'd love to know. Like I see your Instagram and your you do like retreats, it seems like a lot. That seems yeah. to be your focus. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your the initial question before the recording, essentially when I was living in the United States, I'm from Australia originally. I grew up in far north Queensland and I decided to take the leap of faith to jump across the pond and go to university in Milwaukee in Wisconsin and that was out of a pursuit to follow my passions at the time which was to play sports. I was really loving football and my dream was to be a professional football player. That was my that was my thing and that took me to the United States because if I ever got injured I would I would have an education to fall back on. That's why I did the college system in Australia. It's kind of like the pathway for a footballer is you go over to Europe, <laughs> you say goodbye to Australia, you go over to Europe and give it a crack to play in England or something like that. Or you, you don't go to university and you give it a crack playing at the clubs here. 
And I thought, what a great experience to go and live in another country, which, you know, growing up, I'd never been to the US, but I had seen a lot of American movies. And what was your concept? Going into America, do you have any like strong concepts? Man, it was wild because (laughs) all the stereotypes and all the things that I seen in movie, which they kind of heightened the extremes of in films. But it was like, when I was there, I was like, oh my God, this is a culture shock because this is kind of like what it's like. I feel like I'm in a movie or something. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, I I was in a movie in the end. But (laughs) it's like Inception somehow. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely inception. But the whole, you know, American Pie growing up on that culture of the college parties and the red cup thing and, you know, all the drinking games and the the, the athlete jock kind of persona and all of these different kind of stereotypical mask or personalities that is kind of part and parcel with the college kind of era. In Australia, we don't have that. It's totally different in the university space. But on th- there are many parallels, let's say I would, my general hypothesis of the whole kind of sexual, hypersexualization of Western culture, particularly in Europe, as I traveled for Europe as well, and America and Australia, they have these overlaps, which I'm sure we're going to go into in more depth with the, the yeah. conversation today. But for me, I had no idea I would be in a documentary film about sexuality being the new revolution of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, that all happened by chance, to be honest. Well, I, I like to I like to believe that it happened by synchro destiny, which is a, a blend of a word that I came up with around the synchronicity and destiny all pulled into one where ultimately at the time I couldn't see it. But there was a part of me that even remember I reflect on this moment so much because it's had such a significant part and role to play in my life and my development and my being and just in my awareness of myself in relation to others and also my worldview around how I understand and comprehend the mechanisms of what makes the world move so it's it's played a huge role in my life but it was all can we can we we peel that back a little bit because you you're like this Australian who had visions of being an athlete and you could have chosen Europe. You didn't. You didn't even choose America. You chose Milwaukee, which I think most Americans haven't been to Milwaukee. It's a very kind of specific part of the country. And so these aspirations are, you know, I want to be an athlete. And obviously you want to be a good athlete. Probably you want to be a professional athlete at, on some level. That's your thinking. And then you wind up in mm-hmm. in America and you have these concepts about the party culture. And was it kind of like a wish fulfilled or was it more like, this is not what I signed up for? How much of what you wanted to accomplish was accomplished this dream this vision that you had because i'm also like i'm from canada which is next to america but i also just learned about america from movies there's only two cities in america there's la and there's new york that's why i, I didn't even know anything about milwaukee but there it's like the place where dreams are meant to come true that's the i guess bumper sticker of america so you had a dream and you went to pursue this dream in america so like did it did you land and then you're just like all systems go let's go let's go let's go like how were you when you first arrived yeah man that is a great question and i love your thinking around that was it did it fulfill my dreams or was it not what i expected and definitely from the get-go as i arrived it was fulfilling all my dreams because we were 
straight into the preseason and football. We were training three times a day. All I had to worry about was eating, sleeping, and then training. It's like, yes, I've made it. This is it. And I had a really a quite successful career playing in my early days. I got set back with a few injuries later on, which also played a big role in my development and my kind of personal growth in that sense, which was hard at the time. But later, I really come to appreciate and see the value in it. But then so a couple months into the program, I was doing really well, playing winning games, coming as a newbie, but performing quite well. And I had even at that point, being so young and naive and fresh, kind of seen opportunities, new opportunities coming forth really frequently and really often. And because I was kind of performing on the pitch with the older guys, the the seniors and captains, and they were they were really quite impressed with my abilities on the field. It kind of took me under their wing and they wanted to kind of show me the ropes off the field as well, so to speak. So I was actually 17 when I made the move. My birthday is later on in the year and I had we have a different education system for high school here in Australia. So I finished earlier. I wasn't even legal to drink in my own country in Australia and it's 21 in the United States, yet I had these these mentors and these older players, older teammates, mm-hmm. taking me out on nights out and going to these wild parties and getting into the club scene from an early get-go. And in Australia, it's common that we would go to the bars and nightclubs and, and party when we're underage, like 16, 17, and then 18 is legal. And so I had I did have experience in that sense. But then suddenly I wasn't even legal in Australia. Now it's 21 in the United States. And being our football team was mostly international players we had players from europe england you know germany sweden africa ghana all over the world you know even players from south america colombia and venezuela and and chile and then here's me this white skinny australian kid (laughs) in the mix of it all but i guess when i was over there as well really focused my focus primary focus was sports and then having left all of my friends and all of my family behind in Australia it was really hard to stay in touch because even though there was like Facebook and things at those times the time difference was really off and I don't know just to try and schedule a core was challenging so I often wouldn't speak to home that much and even though I was as you said, I was right in the mix of it from the get-go. I was just so focused from the beginning. There were still parts of me that were missing. And I seek to have to fill those parts with the validation of spending time with different women. And so I'd hang out with all these different girls. And I ended up getting into a relationship quite quickly, which ended fairly sourly right before the spring break episode where the film was captured so that that kind of played a big role in my behavior at the which is showcased on the film but I don't want to take anything away because that was what my behavior was like at that time in terms of just rampant sexual energy leaky energy I would say leaky energy is a great way of putting I mean I really want to dive deep in some of this stuff it's really thank you for opening up so I mean let's let's get into that because you mentioned you were in two films first one was called liberated the new sexual revolution and then the second one there's a sequel that I don't think it's out yet, but I looked, I mean, I IMDb'd you, I did some research. It's called Liberated After Spring Break. But the first one, you know, to be honest, I, I've got you on Instagram and I saw that you had made this documentary. I saw the title and I was like, instantly 
both intrigued and also a little bit frightened because usually those type of titles and that type of wordage, that verbiage leads to, oh, I've got the answer. It's YOLO, like the YOLO life. Like here's how to be liberated, do whatever you want, right? But the the deeper I dug and to see the, the actual documentary was very insightful. And I want to unpack this step by step. So the first first aspect of this about the about the movie is you you were just leading up to this in your own narrative is that you were young you were surrounded by a bunch of jocks and in america that has a very clear connotation like the jocks are pretty unruly and you had just been in your first kind of relationship overseas that just ended and then hence you're kind of whisked away to spring break in florida daytona beach yeah Panama City Beach, it was actually. Panama City, okay. Yeah. And I want to know, like, what did you know? Had you heard any of the lore? Because there's a lot of lore definitely in kind of the college circuit about spring break, what that means. Their entire television genres, Jerry Springer and all this is about like spring break, girls gone wild, like this kind of nonsense. And did you have any concepts going in when you were being asked to go to spring break? Or were you kind of going in blind and innocently? Absolutely. We knew what was going on. That was like, as you said, it's quite blatantly obvious what happens at spring break. It is a bit of a wild time. And and we were excited by that as young, you know, sportsmen who had been dedicated to training and having a week off to go and be wild for a moment. Because I would say like in Australia, we have something called forgotten the name now but basically it's the celebration after you graduate high school okay. and it's called schoolies week. So schoolies. it's basically same it's thing. Adorable. Yeah, it's super cute. All the Australian kids go and go on a a wild week bender in one of these beautiful beach locations around the country and basically just go and celebrate finishing school, grade 12 and go and get drunk and go to music events and get go wild so I had I of course I had an idea of what spring break would be like but it was kind of like I tell people schoolies on steroids (laughs) so times schoolies by 10 you know there's like 20,000 people at this beach party going off and and having been in that kind of sporting environment we were definitely we had this camaraderie around us because when we went to spring break it was pretty much the guys who played football together and we we had a lot of competitiveness you know because we were performing to play well on the pitch and then also off the pitch we were also performing to play well you know in a sense that we would really egg each other on and there'd be this competitiveness and you know when that came to not how many goals you could score but how many girls you could score we took it very seriously because we you, you train you play like you train and and we kind of took that mentality into other areas of our lives and when that was our main core group like again I didn't have any family around me or any friends that was that was my family and that hyper competitiveness was taken off the pitch into all areas of life essentially so and so like you it really sounds like a fraternal environments like a bunch of bros like egging each other on I get that but there's a clear lack of parental supervision and oversight and foresight right there's no foresight just a bunch of idiots typically just uh you know 
queued up and ready to go. And so was there any sense like these coaches know what's going on? Uh, do they ever offer any sage advice or do they steer clear of any getting staying out of your personal lives? Because in a sense, it does impact your performance on the field if you're running around doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Did you ever yeah. get any talkings by the, by the coach or do they kind of stay out of it? Oh man, that's a great, great question. And um, I really, I really like that question because even on my own unpacking of the experience and reflection of the time, I was really grateful for the the coaching staff that we had during that period in that season of life. They were, I would say, quite young in their career. So they had also been players in the past and, and kind of been through the journey that I was on essentially. And they certainly had an awareness of what happens in these environments and these situations and highly likely that they had been through similar kind of experiences themselves. And I acknowledge that they they were offering support with the, the best skills that they had available for us, which we were, I would say, so in our own ego that we felt kind of invincible, let's say, because it was it was a really tricky thing at that university I was at we were a small university and we had like literally no right in being as successful as we were in on the field what I mean by that is we had some fantastic players from around the world and it was almost like we were so good that no one could tell us what to do because we were that good it was that kind of mentality and even the coaches they didn't want to piss us off because we were winning games and going to nationals and winning tournaments and all these things so they kind of turned a blind eye let's say to what was going on after after hours and at, at the same time you know we ended up a few of the players going and getting a job in the bars and you know then ended up having late nights and as you said like eventually it comes back to hurt the team and, and everyone is affected by that and which was evident but going into it going to spring break we were like let's go like we were we were ready for it and on for it so there was nothing that was holding us back at that time and in terms of your world did you have any kind of issues or awareness of the objectification that that takes place because that's actually a big theme of of the movie like was there on any level did you feel like this is kind of weird or this is kind of off like was your conscience allowed or did you leave your conscience in Wisconsin and then you just went with your your penis basically (laughs) like what, what what was it like Dude, I love your questions for this uh, conversation. And I was definitely what I would term and and call young, dumb, and full of cum <laughs> as a bit of a, a joke to it, because I, I certainly was. I had, I had some experience traveling from a young age with my family and with some friends. And, you know, we spoke earlier about going to Bali. It's a big thing to do when you're in Australia. And I've been so privileged, to be real, in my life and, and had... A, diverse range of experiences yet I was still extremely naive to what is real and what is actually happening in the world and at that point in my life I was although I was in a man's body let's say I hadn't quite gone through an experience that grounded me in the foundational truths of what it means to be a human and what I mean by that is what it's taken me to really explore and research a lot of ancient cultures around the world and how they initiate young boys into manhood and and what does it mean to be a man? You know, these are some of the themes and questions that the film does a great 
job to provoke. And I want to give full credit to the filmmakers and the team that produced it because they've done it in a really unique way that encourages the viewers to reflect and ask those internal questions. And that's relevant because we wouldn't be having this conversation if that wasn't the case, you know? So yeah, it definitely gets people thinking and reflecting on our larger cultural story because I had to on reflection of the film and when it was released I went through a a really challenging time in my life one of tremendous self-shaming and and a lot of guilt I was carrying a lot of guilt around my actions and my past behaviors and because of that incident because of going to spring break and what what took place there is that the shame was around that the shame was mostly around my when I it's so funny because I have I have a really hard time and it might not seem obvious because I'm my face is everywhere online and my voice but I have a really difficult time listening to my own voice or watching myself on camera why because I am the most critical self-analysis kind of perfectionist person and I have a really hard time seeing myself in a position where I'm really look really stupid and look really bad and look really ignorant and it's really humbling because a lot of the times although the camera shows a very kind of limited perspective and viewpoint it's you know it's only this little view they don't see the whole wider spectrum of what's going on which is kind of what we're unpacking with this narrative of myself but it really I had felt the shame because I look like an absolute idiot (laughs) and I was embarrassed I was really embarrassed because I was like at that point they're like going to release this to the world they're going to show this to everyone my family's going to see this what's my mom going to think about this what's my dad going to think what are my friends going to think what are my school teachers and coaches and all these people that I had a really respectful kind of honorable and dignified relationship with gonna think when they see this crazy side of myself which is like I laugh about it now this kind of alter ego persona of this kind of wild and ravenous person that is really seeking to fill this void by means of going out and proving themselves with getting as many as women as possible so yeah can i I ask because you brought up this aspect of rite of passage and i've also looked a lot at that there's a lot of movements that are trying to resolve what does that look like in this modern era it's a very important question and do you think in the void of, especially America is such a young country, we don't necessarily have traditions um, for that rite of passage, that stupidity has become the rite of passage and acting like a fool, like these spring break, in a sense, is a rite of passage. You are a part of a fraternity in your sports league and them whisking you away to this place to do these things is now the default rite of passage in the absence of that sober perspective of longevity, of of tradition, of surviving something. Do you feel like that you were stepping into that and you didn't even, you didn't know, you're just kind of going along with it, but actually you were a part of the rite of passage, but that passage is like over a cliff. <laughs> we're not actually uh, passing to something productive. Absolutely, man. You're, you're really hitting the nail on the head there. And I would suggest that our somewhat civilized Western culture is seemingly quite lost in a lot of ways, because we don't have this fundamental initiation 
which is there's many initiations throughout life, birth being one, death being another, but coming into adulthood also being significant for men and for women. Um, as I'm a man, I can't really speak to the women's processes, but I can share a little bit on my journey and experience. And although it may seem, as you suggested, that leaving school or going to spring break or getting the keys to your first car is a somewhat rite of passage that yes I can finally drink now or I can smoke a cigarette or I have full autonomy over my decision making processes that may unconsciously be somewhat of a marking point for us to come into our adulthood journey I would suggest that there are more there's more depths to the psychological maturity that's required in order to have a broader sense of what's really happening in the world and what it means to be a human. And when I, when I had a look at all of these different cultural traditions, they all had similar processes. They would go about it in different ways. For example, I think it's in Vanuatu, they jump from the vines, uh, this like bungee jump thing with the vines attached to them, and that would pull them up. And in a lot of Pacific islands, they do the tattooing on the body and the markings. In the indigenous culture here in Australia, they would go on walkabouts where the young men would have to go and live in the wild and, you know, fend for himself and survive essentially and so the first point is that there would be this separation so they would go off on their journey on their own and experience tremendous amounts of pain and suffering there will be this this moment of having somewhat of a challenge and then after the challenge once they had overcome that on their own they would then return back to their community and this is a really key part is that when they come back to their community they are actually honored and seen and celebrated for their transformation and their wit and their survival in becoming a man so it becomes a full rounded journey and experience and so when you said that going to spring break would be like jumping off a cliff i would say you're 100% right but the the bigger rite of passage was when I committed to saying yes to joining the production team to leave I was back home in Australia at this point to leave my family once again and leave my friends and, and embark on a six-month journey traveling with the production team all across the United States and across England and Europe to show the film and then suddenly be confronted with a series of questions from all of these people when I was still trying to kind of process my own experience and feelings and and there was a tremendous period of huge growth for me because I was faced with a lot of a lot of hardship and a, uh, overcoming a lot of that psychological selfishness and shifting my perspective to have a broader sense of I had to let go of my own story in that moment and really see the bigger story it was no longer about me but it was now about how can I use my individual experience to showcase to the world what's really possible and how this larger cultural story at play although it's not to blame but has impacted many of our lives and now be the vessel and the example for others to see that we can move beyond this old paradigm way of being in our cultural civilization so that was a huge and I would say that process and that journey was more of a rite of passage for me and a big thanks to all of the the mentors and the directors and producers and everyone involved in the organization who encouraged me and supported me to go through that journey with them so I, I have some I mean that's I want to unpack that 
because that's a very unique. I can't, as an action step, recommend that everybody have a documentary made about them in order to see how much of a jackass they are. But it is a great experience. But it's extremely, you're kind of an anomaly in that respect. But my first question is, when you were embarking on this press tour, this six months tour, had you already begun the evolution of moving on from that version of yourself that was in spring break? Or was the seed just planted? And what really solidified that was these questions that were coming your way during the press. That's that's what I, I'd like to know. Like, had you already realized, oh man, I don't want to be like that guy? Or did that come out later as you're watching yourself on repeats during these? Because you were in like film festivals and stuff like that. So at what point did you start to realize who you are and could see yourself and your actions a little bit more objectively? Yeah, man, that's not, again, another great question. It was definitely like, I'll take you back to the decision when I was at my home and I had just received the email from the the directors and the crew They're saying this film's coming out. Um, we want to give you- So you were in Australia, home yeah, being. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and I'd received this email basically telling me that they're releasing the film and I had an opportunity to see a glimpse of the film before it got released, just to kind of get the, the pre-warning on it. So I sat there and watched it. And at this stage in my life, I had really been searching. I'd really been seeking. I traveled all through Asia at this point, backpacking and hitchhiking and couch surfing and and spending time in ashrams and meditation centers and permaculture communities, all these. I was looking for something that was going to give me meaning to my life. Okay, clarification that you had returned after the first year of American college, university. Yep. And this was your summer break at that point? This was after I had graduated oh, okay. university because the film took about five years to make. So there was oh about God. a yeah, five-year period where I kind of traveled a lot. I finished university. I went even down to Central America and Costa Rica and all these beautiful places. And I was on this journey and I had set the intention at that point to really open my heart and explore what's really on my heart. And it took me to some challenging places, which revealed a lot of a lot of challenges and opportunities for, for more growth. And every time that one of those challenges arose on a gross level, which again, the film coming out was one of those challenges because I was like, oh my God, I watched it and I was looking and I had just, I had begun this journey thinking that I had really mastered myself in a way, but then seeing myself on camera thinking, oh my God, I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of myself and my actions. And, and I was faced with the challenge at that point to go and face the release of this film and go and join the production team. Or I can just, I could just close the computer, look away, pretend it doesn't exist, you know. <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Try and just like make a avoidance. And I, I really sat with it for a long time. And it was really challenging for me to make the final decision because even both of my parents had polarizing viewpoints. One said, yes, go and go and join the crew. The other one said, no, don't look at it. Da, 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 da. So I had this pulling from both sides and even internally, this massive struggle of like, oh my God, like I'm going to, you know, is this how the world's going to see me for all my life? And so I really recognized at that point in my life, there was a lot of resistance. I had a lot of resistance to showing up and I, I lent into the resistance at that moment. I emailed them back and I said, Hey, look, I have, I'm, I'm on this healing journey. I'm on this path of, you know, coming into more awareness and and I want to join the tour. And they couldn't believe it. They were, they were quite shocked. And they, 
helped me get across the United States and and we began the tour from there and and then that was like walking through another portal of like oh my god I had no I, I just said yes to, and committed to this journey and then boom it just opened up my eyes to even more growth and, and even bigger opportunities that I couldn't before I couldn't perceive or understand or even conceptualize at that time what, what was be possible and I'm not talking about possibilities of doing retreats or doing being on camera or doing any of these things but opportunities for me to know myself even more and go deeper into who I am and why I'm here and what's what is ultimately making up this experience of life and I think that's the ultimate quest for all of us is to know thyself mm -hmm. and that's part of our own individual journey but that really that really became a bit of a bit of a gateway into a deeper experience because the production crew are primarily faith-based so they were it was quite controversial for them to come out with this film they had released other films in the past but this film was parental guidance was advised so it definitely didn't show the glorified image of god it showed the the nitty-gritty underground reality of our society mm -hmm. and you know it, these are some hard truths to face but what it's like the polarity, like the light wouldn't exist without the dark and you wouldn't be able to see the extent of the light without really knowing and realizing what extent of the darkness is really there. And this really challenged my fundamental beliefs about who I am and why I'm here and what is actually going on in this greater cosmological kind of reality of life on this planet. So it's definitely been a, been a huge, huge journey. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're going to really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks. Back to the show. So that's crazy. It's it's wild that you accepted it, but it seems like you'd been preparing for that unwittingly, like you going in, into these retreats and going inside allowed you permission to show your true nature to yourself and also to other people, even if it made you look bad, which is important because I mean, high noon, the whole, our organization is based off the premise of like, what would life look like if you had no shadows? Well, guess what? Bringing those shadows to light is somewhat of a painful process for sure, because you have to actually reveal these to other people, not just within you, but it, part of that is like showing people this is the real me, the good and the bad. So it's pretty admirable that you actually said yes. So you were showing yourself and going through this process of meeting all these people, diverse group of people who were checking out this movie and going up repeatedly and answering these questions. And through that, like, how is your worldview changing? Because you use a lot of highfalutin words like cosmological, <laughs> you know, and so, so forth. So obviously this has deeper meaning than the binary of like good or bad and, and all this, but like you're learning the nuance of life and reality and in terms of sexuality like you were leaving one paradigm 
clearly that you were steeped in, that you were celebrating on camera for the whole world to see, and you were shifting that paradigm to see sexuality as something different. So this process, I, I'd love to hear the evolution of going from totally fine subjectifying women to, hey, that might not be okay. What what am I a part of? What am I complicit in to wherever you're at now? I'd love I'd love to hear a bit about that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'd like to speak to the catalyst. What was the really big, if I'm really brutally, truthfully honest, the big catalyst for me to shift in my internal perspective and then also i'll kind of speak to your question on more of the present perspective now but essentially there's a piece in the film where there's a photo of me with my thumbs up celebrating with my mates that there was a, a blood stain on the bed sheets because i just had slept with a virgin the night before and basically that was a moment i hadn't considered before but at that time we were just kind of celebrating that hey he'd slept with a virgin that's great and yeah so i hadn't really considered at that point in time and it wasn't until the director brought it to my awareness that this whole although we were going out and we were having consensual sex with women just very frequently and with a variety of different women i hadn't considered the connecting thread to this culture that is highlighted in the film that it seems to be more prevalent today than ever is this idea of non-consensual sex and, and, and rape culture. And I had been in the mindset as a young boy that going out and sleeping with lots of different women and having their consent to do that under the influence of drugs and alcohol is totally acceptable. And I hadn't put the pieces together that there is essentially a spectrum of like going out and having one night stands, uh, uh, going out and just kissing someone, just hooking up. And then how that eventually leads to the most devastating kind of behaviors that happens on this earth. And the director had just released a film prior to Liberated where they went and filmed in all around the, the world, all of these different countries where primarily it was old white men buying young women around the world for sex. And they had gone to a place in uh, Cambodia where it's really prevalent. And there's this moment where this young girl who's underage is being sold by a family for sex to this old white man. And the image that they captured and, and what's left, I think this young girl gets brutalized and her pajamas are bloodstained. And that really invoked this question in the director and, and the organization what is the root cause of this? And what kind of culture is breeding an acceptance in the mind of the old man to think that it's okay to go and buy a child for sex? And so they had to go right back and go back to the culture in the United States, go back to spring break, the hookup culture, the one night stand culture, what it's like in college and connect the threads all the way through to this devastating end result. And it was really, it was really heartbreaking moment for me. And even as I reflect on it, I couldn't, there's no way that I could have connected that thread. And it wasn't until I was on that tour and I realized, I thought, whoa, that is, that's intense to actually put myself in that that space and I thought that's like I could never imagine doing something like that but to see the stepping stones of how to get to that end point which no one everyone would everyone looks at that and thinks oh my god that's like horrific which it is but without realizing that agreeing to the steps along the thread to get to that point which the film really highlights. I highly recommend if, if you haven't seen the film, it's on Netflix, go and watch it. Because it's like by the end of it, you're kind of like, 
it's hard to look through your your hands to watch it because there's there's so much as you mentioned before this objectification of women but this entitlement of the man who think that it's okay for us men to grab and grope and whistle and how that's the initial stages but then to eventually you know make an exchange of money to purchase someone who's ideal in the viewpoint a young or innocent or whatever it's pretty pretty intense kind of realization that what i had been contributing to was a wider acceptance and celebration of that entitled behavior and that was a massive turning point for me to have that realization would you i'd love to skip to this because i was going to save this until the end but you you're bringing this out in me because there's this cultural linear line between the drinking and the objectification and and the commodification but there's also a lot of internal mechanisms taking place there's the numbing of your conscience there's the justifications that are running rampant there's all these things that are not commonplace in a healthy culture that takes care of themselves which so much of it is community so much of it is spirituality so much of it is taking care of your internal self emotional mental spiritual. And so I know that now you kind of do more spiritual retreats. That's, <laughs> I know as much about you as you show on Instagram. So that's, that's, <laughs> I, I have somewhat of a blind spot, but spiritually, what is, what in your perspective is taking place in a culture that is so, con- where the conscience is so collectively eroding? America was very, overly puritan for a while where it's like you look at a woman and you get your eyes <laughs> stabbed or something like that and we've swung so far in the opposite direction where it's like i don't even want to talk to my conscience right now it has no business with my sex right so in terms of you again you were a person you seem like a really good guy it seemed like you were raised in a loving family and you were put in a place kind of like the eye of the storm where no conscience is really allowed in a place like like spring break because there's all sorts of unconscionable things taking place so you were there and then as you've kind of swung and talking about this in hindsight it seems like you've evolved and i guess that's what the second movie is really about is that is that evolution but i'd love to kind of unpack that a bit and hear about in your perspective what what is happening with the conscience and with your spirit all this internal stuff that leads to the erosion but also leads to the resurrection and to us becoming the evolved version of ourselves mm this great question again man and to be honest i feel slightly unqualified to answer it <laughs> Your perspective. I'm asking for your perspective. You're not representing yeah, humanity, sure. just Shay. Yeah. And my perspective is ultimately what I've come to realize and, and focus on right now in my life is two primary elements. One is self-sufficiency and the other one is spirituality. Because the more that I realize that, the more that I discover and realize about myself and the world, the more I realize how much I don't know. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, really, really humbling. And when looking at the you know spiritual dimension of our human experience and reflecting on our larger culture, kind of positioning and narrative doesn't seem in line with our highest potential let's say because the masses <laughs> if we look back to spring break it's the masses of people are like you said un- unconscious they're not fully conscious of what they're engaging in and how their behaviors are and what impact that will have on their lives and their future and their families and their friends and i certainly was in that 
very unconscious kind of reactive mindset and in, in that period of my life. And I think this is a whole nother conversation, but I would suggest that it is done by design on a larger scale to, and this is very debatable, this whole perspective and belief. But when I really look at the structures of our society, such as our education system, such as our healthcare system, such mm -hmm. as our um, government system, and we don't even have a, a kind of education for understanding, comprehending sexuality, just in that sense. My experience growing up in school, we had done, you know, sex ed class that was very uninformative and there was no kind of spiritual dimension of sexuality, learning or not, anything like that. There was, however, a hijacking of our screens as the main storyteller in, in our culture. And most people are online are watching, I think it's something like 30% of the whole internet is pornography. <laughs> So, and this happened for me. I remember when I was 13 years old and I was at high school and one of my mates came up to me and he goes, oh my God, I just had sex with this girl. I was like, what? I haven't, got, I haven't even got pubic hairs, mate. Like you're talking about having sex with a girl. I hadn't even considered that at that age, but it left the curiosity inside of me. And I thought, oh, I want to, I want to. I want to learn about this. And what do I do at that point? I'm just a young kid. I'm not going to go and confront my teachers or my parents. I just go straight to the internet and discover pornography. And then suddenly that just starts the whole journey, which is, as we've come to know more recently, highly destructive for the neurochemistry in the brain and the dopamine levels and becomes very addictive to get those highly kind of ecstatic and orgasmic feelings over and over and over again and becomes more intensified with what triggers that deeper feeling so so you get desensitized let's say and all of these quite complex kind of compartments all compile and contribute even looking at some of the mainstream movies the messages that are conveyed around sexuality is ultimately subconsciously ingraining a belief system to the acceptability of having one night stands or having hookup culture or going against someone's will and going over the edge and without us actually fully being aware of how that impacts our relationships and our lives and every day-to-day -day ongoings and so I guess from my very limited perspective on the relationship and the role that ultimately spirituality has on our on the way that we relate to others on an intimate level it's extremely pivotal and important so significant to recognize and understand and comprehend really the spiritual nature of this world in order for us to have any level of self-respect and dignity to love others as a way of providing a, a service of love that's gifting and giving unconditionally rather than this psychological perspective of a young boy who's still back take 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 this i need this i must have this i gotta consume this i gotta pay to get this it's a very different perspective to move beyond and identify the the needs that we have as human beings because ultimately like sexuality for example is such a it's such a key central dimension of our existence the only reason we're here is because two people had sex our mom and dad so it's like this notion and i've really like grappled with and I've, i certainly have much to learn in this area in this space but i kind of see like to very to simplify it very symbolically it's like fire you know sex, sexuality kind of primordial energy force that 
ultimately it has tremendous amount of good qualities it's really it can be really beautiful and really orgasmic and like a fire can bring warmth to a household you can cook your food with it it's really it's like this energy that can be harnessed and controlled in a way that can be very supportive but then on the other end of the spectrum if it's misused and mistreated and left to ravage it can be a raging bushfire to say the least or burn your entire house down to the ground and so just acknowledging the potential that energy has then we can have the awareness of making conscious decision on how we want to choose to use that energy in a positive way or not and to do that with conscious choice and with our free will is really empowering realization to have and most people don't even realize the fact that there is a lot of forces that is within us ultimately that is pulling us to fill a void of insecurity which is my story I was just an insecure young boy looking to find seeking validation and acceptance and communal kind of belonging which is innate in all of us we want to feel we want to feel a sense of belonging to to our tribe and our community and our friends and the only destructive thing is when you have to do that with a bunch of jocks and guys who are praising you for going and sleeping with as many women then quickly scale the ladder and, and get to the top so it's i do sense that we are on the verge of a massive cultural global planetary shift in the way that we relate to sexual intimacy and i see films like this playing a really really big beautiful role in that journey and my story is just one story and and I've kind of come to this belief the spiritual belief that which I love in my research is that science is now quantum science is backing all of this up and it's been known through the ages and it's not some new age kind of pseudo science that's just coming to the realms like no it's like ancient texts have been speaking to this for thousands of years which is ultimately understanding how energy functions and what energy is and that we're just a part of nature and human beings we're just another mammal on this earth that has these microcosms of energy systems such as our nervous system immune system our cardiovascular system all of these little systems within the bigger system of the human body within the you know the bigger macrocosm of the nature of earth and that's it's ultimately although we perceive we are separate and there's this perception this story and our culture that we that i'm me and you're you and you're se separate to me ultimately this connecting interconnected thread of subatomic atoms or energy that coexists symbiotically simultaneously all the time and um, it's really really nice kind of belief to grasp onto because then that way how i treat you and how i treat me is how is ultimately how i'm going to treat myself you know and and even more so knowing that life is ultimately impermanent and changing and, it, and then we can ask those bigger questions about who do we want to be in this life what do, what do we want to do in this life and so it's, it's a beautiful path to be on just as begin questioning on a deeper level and exploring the the nature of our reality and you know how how does the sun and the stars and the moon and the planets really impact life on this earth and the literally that not just the life but the light the, when we talked about the the contrast of light and dark but spending some time with astrologers and cosmologists cosmologists i've really come to appreciate how stars are primarily on the macro level binary 
And what does that mean? That means they have a relationship with another star. Same too, like on the microcosms as human beings, where we like to have a partner. We like to have a, a companion through our life, whether it be male or female. And sometimes stars, like humans, have a tri, three trimesters. There's three of them sometimes. But what's happening now, which most people aren't, aren't aware of, and I, and I just want to speak to this to wrap it up because it's quite significant. And again, this is only my understanding and beliefs of it. I'm not saying this is necessarily true, but again, ancient civilizations like the Mayans had known this for many years that there is a cycle of stars and there's a cycle of the sun for example it's a 24 hour cycle and we have the yearly cycle then we have the great year cycle and in ancient Indian scriptures this is known as in in the Vedic text as the Kali Yuga in the Mayan culture they had also pinpointed this time in the 25,000 year cycle which is basically a huge cycle that we're unaware of when the two stars with their galaxies so we have our sun star and another star they come closer together and they kind of pivot and then they go back around in their own little cycle and why is why is that relevant and what does that mean well when we're talking about consciousness and we're talking about light and we're talking about bringing the light to the darkness through this story of my experience particularly in sexuality that when this other star comes closer it has it is a light body meaning that it is a shining light and shining energy that is impacting our planet and light body of our sun, providing more light on this earth. There is, there is literally, physically, in our solar system and in our galaxy, more light that is penetrating on this earth every single day as the cycles, as they get closer. So this is a really comforting knowing for me because the Ultimately, the first thing is that we are locked into these systems. What I mean by that is I can't say, okay, sun, time to go down now. Let's, let's all move the sun a little bit faster. Let's just stop the sun today. I, I can't change these greater systems. And same too, like this new season, this new paradigm, this new system that's coming into its evolution is inevitable and i and i think about it if i had gone back to that moment in time and chose to close my laptop run away from going and joining the production team and you know try and not face it i'm pretty certain and probably guarantee that if i had chosen that pathway at some point in my life i was going to get hit way worse and way harder with the realization of what is my truth and my experience and so i'm grateful that i've chosen that alternative path and and ultimately i guess that's relevant in this conversation and i hope that even if just one person has that own realization that the truth will ultimately not only just set you free but the truth is inevitable and you can't hide from the light <laughs> yeah you can only prolong the suffering by avoiding the truth. Exactly. I feel like I just watched somebody disappear and then just well, you gave us something very, it flowed right through you. <laughs> I was looking at your body language too. You were swaying back and forth as you were delivering that message. It was great. Yeah, thank you. And I, I, I really want to touch on this last thing because we do have time and space to deal with. I don't want to take too much of your time, but you know, this, this inevitability of, of a new future, I think there's like feedback loop and our consciousness definitely impacts clearly the world around us. And if we're in a good place, we do good things to the world and the people around us. But on a deeper level, we're, we have the capacity, we have endless capacity when we're connected to highest potential. But what stems from that or what we need is also a vision that we're striving for. 
And so I'd love to hear your vision or an enticing vision of the future, because I have I have a quote from you from the end of the trailer of Liberated After Spring Break, the second movie. You say, if we can work together, then we can move towards this beautiful world that we envision. And I want to know what this world is that you envision and how sex plays into that, because that's really our focus at High Noon is Sexuality. And that's the primary thing that I try to get anybody to do if they're going on this path towards liberating themselves is, well, what is a vision for a liberated version of you look like in terms of sexuality? If you're completely one with your highest self and with God and sexuality, if it was all entwined, what would that look like? How would you wake up? How would you? So what, what does that look like, this better world that you're, that you're envisioning? I want to hear it's it. Yeah, man, that's such a beautiful question. And I'm going to keep it relatively short and sweet. But my my vision, I find fulfillment in more simpler things as I've gotten older. And growing food actually is really significant for me in this season. But also having family is a top value for me. And um, I my vision is I would love to have children one day. I'd love to be a father. I'm really grateful. My older sister, she's got two littlies now and I get to be a, an uncle and be playful and have fun and enjoy their life. And that's that's a big part of the vision is provide an environment for family to really just connect and be together and spend life together and, and have a really joyful, loving life. Ultimately, seems um, kind of cliche in a sense, but I, yeah, I just, I've come to realize how, how grateful I am for the family and the friends and, and the teachers and the mentors that have really supported me and guided me on this journey and I'm kind of in the base where I just want to give back more and I want to contribute to a you know a thriving world not a struggling kind of uncertain and scary world I would rather rather give back to something that that is more fun and I've had in terms of sexuality it's really been a journey for me to feel my emotions on a deep level because my my training has been to shut my emotions down and to block it out. So I'm really grateful for the the partner that I have currently. We're always working more intimately just to open our hearts to each other more and and just to see each other more. We have a practice in our family where we get together every week just to sit in a circle and share what's on our heart, what's really going on for us. And a lot of the times what I've noticed is that is this emotional suppression often really hinders or impacts the physical intimacy as well so being able to drop literally drop into the the deeper feelings and be open and honest and have a space to share that and articulate it has been really helpful to for me to grow in that space so i'm definitely on a on a journey and the beautiful thing is being 30 this year i'm really excited I feel like i'm old but at the same time I feel like i'm really young you know i've got a lot of years <laughs> ahead of me so i'm really excited and at the end of the day i have no idea what's around the corner and I've, I've got a lot, a lot to learn still. I've got a lot to, to experience. And yeah, I'm just reminding myself to stay humble and just give back and give love as much as I can and continuing to remind myself that every day. So that, that was, I mean, in this response, that was the second time it came up. The vision that you have for yourself when you're in your ideal state, and it seems like something that plays into your vision for humanity is it's about giving, freely giving and supporting, not from a childish state, from a powerful state of this is me, here I am and giving. And so that sex becomes more about giving instead of taking, which is what it has been throughout history, which has been self-centered because of the fact that we feel 
only separation. And so a world of separation creates sex that's separated. It's I'm getting mine, you get yours. And I really like that because I do believe that we are, you can see it. Our fates are, are inevitably entwined. We can't, what happens in Japan, what happens, you know, in Africa, what happens in Canada, we're all impacted. So the walls are closing in in that sense. And I, I, I appreciate that. I like that a lot. So, I, you know, I want to say thank you for your time, but also more importantly for like opening up because I feel like we just went on a journey. You got, you, you really uh, didn't hold back. And I, I think a lot of people will gain a lot from this. And is it okay if I, in the show notes, put your handle uh, on Instagram so that people can reach out if they want? Oh, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. I've really copped a lot having my Instagram handle in the film. And <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be amazed at some of the, the response that I received from people on a radical ends of the spectrum. You know, like I got these comments from people on Instagram because they seen it through the movie saying, oh my God, you are like, you're a narcissistic sociopath and you should go to hell and you're like, you're the worst human being on this planet. And like, I had to really alchemize and process a lot of that stuff because at the same time, I was getting on the end of the other end of the spectrum, people messaging me saying, oh my God, you are so hot and amazing. Can you send me some nudes? I want to go party with you. And I want, and I'm just like in yeah. this whirlwind or in between these, like, oh, like what is going on? I'm just trying to find my center and my core. And sure. um, that it, it threw me off in a, in a big way, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, you're welcome to share my Instagram handle. And <laughs> I assure I'm you, sure. our audience is a lot <laughs> different than, than that. We, yeah. you know, we're serving a community of people who are actively participating in creating sexual integrity, finding yeah. out what they really believe in and aspiring to build a life where their sexuality is in line with that. And so if anything, you'll just get a lot of thank yous. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. No, that's cool. I, I don't. And again, I like I don't do this for the thank yous or for any kind of fame or anything like that. I, it is it's my intention just to share my experience and my story and um, in, in the hope that other people, you know, learn and grow and reflect and know themselves more and you know, that's been a big motivation for me that's why I go around to a lot of local schools and speak with local students and you know particularly young men who are coming of age and, and share my story you know and share my experience and with the intention that there there's something that their listeners will hold on to and take take away and really implement into their life or see things from a new perspective from their own story and, and have that deeper sense of reflection so I really want to thank you Andrew for great questions and um great, great conversation man. yeah it's really it's really been a great conversation yeah 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 no thank you i appreciate it it feels like you know somewhere way back when we're related i i feel like that as soon as you logged on to this conversation it's like oh yeah i know this. We've, we've known each other for thousands of years somehow so i appreciate you i appreciate checking up on you again for the first time and yeah thanks again man i appreciate it yeah no worries man thank you too Andrew Love here, and I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcasts, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them and their lives, and it is. You can break free from porn, you can build amazing, eternal relationships, but it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. 
You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.